Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast with Rebecca Coombs, the place where you can learn how to achieve a happy, healthy gut. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Jason Wysocki once again, and it's really wonderful to have Dr. Wysocki back on the show today. Dr. Wysocki is a naturopathic physician and the owner of Eight Hearts Health and Wellness in Portland, Oregon. He received his doctorate in naturopathic medicine from the National University of Natural Medicine. And Dr. Wysocki has been involved in researching various natural interventions in the treatment of various digestive disorders, depression and anxiety. He completed a one-year integrated internship for Pacific University's Psychology and Comprehensive Health Clinic, as well as a one-year internship at the SIBO Centre for Digestive Health with Dr. Stephen Sandberg-Lewis. He holds a BS in Theology and an MS in Counselling from Cairn University, working in various aspects of mental health for over 11 years. Dr. Wysocki now specialises in digestive health, mind-body medicine, men's health and physical medicine, including structural integration. On today's show, we talk about a subject that has been of great interest to me for a long time and I'm really glad to be finally bringing this podcast to you. Today we talk about men and SIBO. It seems like the forums and the groups and online communities that exist for SIBO are very heavily dominated by women. And whilst there are some men in the groups, they're by no means an equal uh, share of the population. And so it's really important that we address why men are perhaps not doing much around addressing their gut health and why it's really important that they do. And also the differences for men with SIBO versus females with SIBO. So I hope you enjoy today's show with Dr. Jason Wysocki. Welcome back to the Healthy Gut Podcast, Dr. Jason Wysocki. It's wonderful to have you here with us again. It's great to be back. Today we're talking about men's health and SIBO. And I've been really um, keen to do this podcast episode with you for quite some time because I'm very conscious that in the SIBO world it is very female dominant. The chat groups are predominantly female. They seem to be about 95% female. Plus there seems to be a good mix of doctors that are male and female. Um, you know, I'm female and I'm 
definitely um, you know talking a lot about SIBO and and a lot of the other kind of gut related people out there are female. So I really want to make today's show all about the blokes, all about the guys <laughs> and uh, and their SIBO journey because it is a little bit different to us women. Um, so first I'd like to start off with talking about, you know, asking you, are there differences physiologically with men versus women when it comes to SIBO? The short answer to that would be it's complicated. You know, obviously SIBO is a condition that is not gender specific in the sense that there's certain things about SIBO that would be universal to both, to anyone that would have this condition. However, uh, in my practice, which I would say is actually majority male uh, at times, um, you do see differences uh, in a male type of SIBO uh, and the and the syndromes that accompany that because of male physiology. There are certain parts that are in slightly different areas and do slightly different things for a male body versus a female body. So one of those things would be that males have a prostate. And this gland is actually very close to the colon. You know, it literally lies right on top of it. So just for example, uh, gastrointestinal distress or some of the SIBO SIBO symptoms such as constipation or diarrhea can irritate this gland in a different way and cause different symptoms for the male. What are some of the symptoms that a male might experience if their prostate gland is being aggravated by constipation? Yeah. So the top one, obviously, uh, would be urinary frequency. You know, nervous urination or uh, feeling like you constantly have to use the restroom when there isn't very much to come out. It's just pressure and inflammation in an area where there isn't much margin. There's there's not much space uh, for any type of inflammation. And since the colon lies right there, constipation, things not moving, that would expand and press on the prostate. And obviously, the urethra comes right through the prostate. So that urinary kind of physiology uh, goes right through that gland. So any margin or inflammation will definitely impact that. I'd like to talk about um, sort of symptoms that guys can look at for in a bit. Um, But I'm intrigued, and maybe you can answer this for me, why it seems that men in general are so much slower to do something about their health. And I talk about my beloved partner here when I talk about this. When I was diagnosed with SIBO two and a half years ago, I said to him, babe, I think that you have SIBO based on your symptoms now that I've learned about this condition. And he just flatly refused to do anything about it because he felt that it wasn't bad enough to warrant going and seeing my naturopath. Fast forward two and a half years, I finally, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure if my nagging got to the better of him and he was like, I'm just so sick of this, I'll, I'll go and do it. No, it wasn't me. It was his symptoms who actually got so bad that he needed to do something about it. But when he finally got tested, his SIBO was double what mine was. His results were off the Richter scale. And, you know, there was that part of me that was like, I told you so and you should have gone and done it when I told you and your SIBO wouldn't be as bad. And I had to really bite my tongue. Why are guys so slow in general to take action? (laughs) Well, shamefully, I was like your partner too. And honestly, had gastrointestinal issues since I was a child. 
and didn't really get serious about them, I actually learned about them and how to treat them and was helping treat them before I got serious about treating myself. So this is not one male preaching to the choir. It kind of is, this is my journey as well. So I didn't really get serious about my gastrointestinal symptoms until I got Lyme disease. So it was really a very serious thing that caused me to kind of say, okay, enough is enough, you know, and my gastrointestinal experience was pretty much nervous diarrhea or IBSD, uh, either when I would go to a restaurant or be in a stressful situation. I literally had to plan out 15 minutes to be at a bathroom before or after. And that just was what it was. And I accepted that. I accepted that for a decade. You know, I didn't really know. And maybe maybe that's that's the underlying thing here. I didn't really know that that was not normal. I, I, and I didn't accept that I needed help with that in the sense that, or there was help, or that I would be willing to make the changes uh, that would bring that about, or the changes were too difficult. Or someone would just tell me, hey, you need to stop doing this, 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 and this. And I wouldn't be willing to do that. I wasn't ready. Um, so there's probably many reasons underlying there why, at least in my journey, I didn't uh, go see someone or get help early. Uh, the other thing was it wasn't necessarily out there. You know, there wasn't many people speaking to younger men or even middle-aged men about their problems. You know, it, it literally men's health pretty much is 45 and older. There's really nothing in that in between that we can say, you know, no, we can make a difference. No, you don't have to suffer with these benign symptoms or symptoms that you think are just normal. There's, there's help with that. There's, there's information. There's small changes uh, to actually alter that. So I think it was a combination. I think it is a combination for most men uh, of not knowing what to change, not knowing they can change, not knowing there is help, and then not being able to find someone to speak to that they would trust, that they wouldn't feel are going to nag them or take control of the situation. Rather, just give them information that they can empower themselves and truly come up with their own goals, which I know we'll speak about later in the sense of what actually can you do for men's health? You know, How can you get back to optimum health as a man? I don't know if it's an Australian male thing or if it's just men the world over, but uh, there seems to be sometimes competition in how gross you can be, like how stinky can your farts be. And I know I've got some guy friends and you know, they almost have great pleasure in making you want to vomit by the aroma that comes out their bottoms. And the same, it seems, with stinking out the toilet. It's like, yeah, that was a good one, people. That was a good one. That toilet is stinky. But I look at that and I always say to them, that's not healthy. You should not kill small children <laughs> with your bottom. <laughs> but there, I don't know whether it's kind of pride in look how gross that is or competition. Like... And if we can talk about some things that men who are listening to the podcast might hear and go, oh, maybe that isn't so healthy, mm -hmm. I think that could be handy. And I think, you know, really stinky farts and really stinky poo um, and leaving skid marks on the toilets can be a sign that your digestive system is not working very well. That's exactly right. So, you know, really, really smelly uh, defecation or flatulence farts and uh, bowel movements 
tends to tell us a little bit about the microbiome, that it could be what we would call dysbiotic. Something is just not balanced, you know, and, and that, that can cause, you know, either even stinkier farts, like the ones that would kill small children. Uh, there is there is a greater tolerance for for men to kind of deal with this gross side of things and almost exalt it in the sense you know going through college this is actually a sign of becoming a male and and doing these things and and that's normal and that we don't want to necessarily say that there's something wrong there however uh, the the person that's probably exalted that literally could kill a small animal. They probably that's probably a sign that something is going awry that could go more awry in the future. And and catching it at this early level, you know, me as a naturopath, I truly believe in prevention. That catching something early is so much easier to treat and save so much misery down the road, you know, even in the development of SIBO you know, where we can catch it earlier, where it's just kind of dysbiosis or gastrointestinal distress, that it hasn't affected motility or gone deeper or affected the gut-brain access and all of these things. What are some other symptoms that guys might be experiencing if their gut isn't in optimal health? You know, surprisingly for a male, and this is was the most surprising thing for me, on the on the very far spectrum, actually sexual dysfunction. You know, a dysbiotic gut, uh, inflammation that close in the pelvis can actually, at its extreme, cause erectile dysfunction or simply the inability to perform. And not from an anxiety standpoint. That also is a piece of that, uh, you know, the gut-brain access. But this is just strictly physiological. Uh, And, you know, gut dysfunction makes it uncomfortable to kind of move through your pelvis or do anything in that area of your body. So that is on the extreme. On the lower side, you know, we've been speaking about that diarrhea, constipation, you know, flatulence, bloating, you know, bloating for guys, they almost like puff out their stomachs and be like, oh, this is great. I look pregnant. You know, it's almost something to show off. That's bloating and distension. That's a sign that there is gas stuck that cannot move and causing symptoms. And depending on what that gas is, if it is methane or um, hydrogen sulfide, this can actually be doing damage internally, you know, slowing down the gut, not allowing you to digest food. That's when you get the really, really smelly particles and things is when fat is malabsorbed or proteins malabsorbed or carbohydrates are malabsorbed. You can have all sorts of malabsorption and they show different ways. I sometimes hear from my guy mates that, you know, they'll make comments like, oh, beer just gets me really bloated or I just, I can only have a couple of pints of beer and then I'm, I feel really full or they might say, oh, I just, you know, pizza doesn't agree with me like it used to. Um, Are those types of things where guys are perhaps noticing that food and drink is not agreeing with them like they might have been able to once get away with eating large or drinking large quantities of it, is that a symptom that their gut isn't working um, well? It could be. You know, there's, there's there's some piece of this that we don't want to always find dysfunction where there isn't. And, you know, there is this thing called getting older where you cannot stay up all night and binge on pizza, donuts, and beer and be okay with that. There is that piece. But there is another piece. And the other piece is that 
if you are noticing, you know, I, I have a lot of male patients that notice that when they start consuming carbs now, they immediately become anxious. They have both anxious mind and anxious gut is how they'll describe that. And that carbohydrate malabsorption, that's not normal. That isn't on that spectrum of, oh, I just can't do what I did when I was 20, when I'm 40 or 35. Or, you know, I have a stressful life now. I have to provide for a family. I have to go to work every day. I'm not playing video games for the whole night, even though there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there, there's differences in life there that we also want to take into consideration. But that carbohydrate malabsorption, I'm seeing a lot of that and definitely seeing that that shows a dysbiotic gut. Something is off in the microbiota of the gut that really affects that mind-gut body connection. So with regards to carbohydrate malabsorption issues, what are some typical things that a guy might experience if, if that is becoming an, an issue for them? So at the top would be anxiety, you know, and, and, ex, and seeing that for guys, that's somewhat different than the female perspective. An- anxiety for uh, the, a male perspective at times can just be fatigue. You know, it, they don't necessarily, we, we don't, <laughs> me included, we don't like putting these labels on things that seem to be worse than they are. We try and minimize a lot. And in the sense of, oh, I just feel tired. Instead of truly putting the words to it is, oh, I'm tired because I'm literally freaked out. Not I'm just tired. You know, there's there's actually an anxiety. There's actually a gut component to this that is literally so internal that I don't have control over it. That's anxiety. And that can be experienced differently by everyone. I mean, females and males alike, everyone experiences their anxiety different. So that would be the top symptom. Other symptoms would just be an increase in gas, you know, either bloating or distension or the feeling that one is pregnant by the end of the night. That's actually a hallmark symptom that, you know, you wake up in the morning, things feel okay. And as the day goes on, things just get awful, you know, where you literally need stretchy pants at night. You know, that nighttime run that you probably don't have energy for because you feel so fatigued, you also have to wear your most roomy pants to actually do it because you're so bloated and distended from the food of the day that just has not moved through. Um, Obviously, diarrhea, constipation would be other symptoms. Um, And then urinary symptoms. You know, this is the This is one that's hardly ever asked in connection with the gastrointestinal tract. Like we were describing, these these pieces physiologically in a male are very connected and very close. So any dysfunction can kind of cross over between any of these pieces. So either urinary frequency or not urinating enough can be signs uh, of gastrointestinal distress. And you mentioned before there can be um, sexual dysfunction. What if a guy isn't at that point where, you know, he's having erectile dysfunction, but perhaps if he just thinks, oh, I'm just so tired, I just really can't be bothered. Can that also be an indicator that there might be something sort of interfering with his testosterone levels or the gut interfering? Absolutely. And and that could be that could be SIBO, IBS, or that can be multiple things that could be going on uh, either in the hormonal realm, in the nutritional realm, in the mental health realm. I mean, there's there's so many things that would need to be looked at there, but the, the short answer is yes. If there is any sort of dysfunction happening there, that points to there's there may be something going on and it's worth exploring. And it's worth exploring early so it doesn't get worse 
Because if you catch these things early, they could be modified quite easily many times rather than down the road, it takes years, months to treat. So that's kind of the the core of some of this message, Rebecca, is, you know, even from my own life, treat earlier. It's so much easier. Get the advice, make the changes uh, that you may need to and choose to. It's your choice. You know, when you get information, you don't have to do everything you're told. Really, you can choose. And the choice is the empowerment, not that you need to give up drinking or beer or all this stuff, but maybe you want to modify it a little bit, make different choices. Like a different kind of alcohol may actually be the only change you need to make right now. Mm, definitely. I think of my partner, um, you know, when he went into his treatment, one of the first things he said was, I don't want to give up beer and don't tell me I can't eat what I want. And he loves cheese and crackers and beer and like a fr- a perfect Friday night for him would be to come home, drink a few beers, watch the football um, and then have some cheese and crackers with maybe a glass of red wine. And that's pretty much all out for SIBO. <laughs> um, and that was really tough for him because it's it to him that signals the end of the week. It's a really, he finds it a really relaxing way um, and I know we're going to talk a bit about stress as well, but for him that was his way to wind down yeah. after a really stressful week. So what impact can stress have on the gut when the gut is dysfunctional? Mm-hmm. So a very difficult and complex topic, but simply stated, stress uh, can really alter gut function. So any, any way that the gut is slightly dysfunctional stress just puts it that much further over that cliff. So, you know, if the gut is slightly, you know, the balance of the microbiota or bacteria in the gut are off, stress literally takes what would just be maybe just a functional symptom and almost makes it pathological in the sense that, you know, when when stress gets ramped up, so do does everything going wrong in the gut. Uh, I almost see the gut and brain and then body connection as not only a connection, but it just is. There is no separation. So to speak about stress, uh, that is actually impacting everything neurologically in the gut as well. And something that was really profound for me to learn about stress was there's distress and eustress. Eustress is good stress. So even like celebratory stress is stress for the body. The body cannot distinguish between it. So it really is the amount of margin you can build in uh, to to really allow your gut's body to really perform the way you want. So looking at stress as a part of any treatment um, that I would ever think about in the sense of how's this impacted right now? How much stress do you have? How much margin do you have built in? And if if the if the guys listening or anything like me, they don't have much margin, and they they need to continually really work at that and accept their limits. I think that that's a huge piece of any health, but especially men's mental health is accepting limits and knowing how to thrive within that. I think one of the challenges for many men, particularly in the Western world, is culturally that they still to this point in time are often the provider for the house, particularly if if they're in a, um, 
relationship with a woman and she's decided to have children and she is because of, you know, the way Mother Nature has made us. She's staying at home caring for children because, you know, she's breastfeeding and doing all of that stuff. It can put enormous pressure on men to feel that they they don't have the capacity then to take time for themselves and there might be guys listening today who are like yeah that's great Jason I can you know think all I like about making time for myself but I've got to put food on the table and I'm the only breadwinner I'm the only income earner in this household and I'm feeding three other people and I've got to work six days a week and then I you know my seventh day a week I all I want to do is collapse on the couch but then you know the wife the missus is taking me down to the shops and I'm dealing with kids and like I'm so at my capacity I cannot see how to fit any time for de-stressing in so do you have any words of wisdom or (laughs) advice on how people can even start to think about approaching de-stressing when their lives feel very full yeah, and and that's that's unfortunately the reality. And you, we can speak in all this ideal language about, you know, <laughs> find all these de-stressing tactics or, you know, even meditation and all these things, but the reality is that's life. And that's why some of these interventions that we can talk about, some of these tactics don't involve, you know, disappearing for hours. You know, that just isn't the reality for many men. Some of these things are literally a breathing technique that you can do when walking through the shops. It literally is more of a perspective mindset, knowledge, and and finding margin. You know, working for margin is the same as working a job. It really requires that much focus in the sense of, I got five minutes today. That should be celebrated, you know, in the sense that that's five more minutes than the day before. That's a little bit more margin in stress that your gut may not respond as badly the next day. And and that can become 10 and that can become 15. That's that's the type of change I talk about. I, I'm not this ir- irrealistic guy that's just saying, hey, you need to go on a week vacation. Yeah, right, doc. That's That's not what I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about tactics that really work every day, minimally invasive, and, you know, start slow. I do not take anything away until we have to. That's at least my philosophy of health is never take anything away until you absolutely have to and try everything else first. What about the um, impact stress has also on hormones, on testosterone? And I have been asked in the past by some of my um male listeners you know what you know there's a lot of talk about estrogen um with women and what happens with the female cycle but what happens with testosterone and men when they have high stress or they have um, gut dysfunction like when you have SIBO so it literally all of those pathways literally lower testosterone so increased amounts of stress that isn't physical So sometimes physical stress, meaning like weightlifting, these types of exercises can increase testosterone. Um, So that's why a piece of some of treatment could be, you know, small bouts of increasing exercise to actually increase testosterone. But stress, uh, poor diet, uh, gut malabsorption, whether it be fat, which would be the primer for hormones. So every hormone comes from cholesterol. Cholesterol is the backbone. So if you can't assimilate good fats, you can't even make hormones correctly. And testosterone is one of our one of males' primary hormones. 
So all of these factors, and here's the terrible news, your hormone, your hormone testosterone peaks when you're 18. So after that, it's all downhill. So any place where you can add margin really, really helps that. And testosterone really drives a lot of the male physiology and psyche, uh, and especially in the sexual realm and sexual function. What happens if a man's testosterone is too low or is lowered? Does that have a negative impact on their bodies? Very much so. And there's, there's an optimal range and then there's when you want to supplement testosterone. So there's there's multiple levels where decreasing testosterone can really impact uh, a male and how he wants to feel. So the primary symptoms would obviously be fatigue and you know loss of, of libido or sexual function. And then on the extreme of that, actually erectile dysfunction. Um, you know, so those would be the primary things to be looking for. There's another hallmark symptom of low testosterone, and that's Achilles tendons being sore chronically, not from injury. This is actually one of those like big, big flashing lights to to a physician that really pays attention to this. When someone says both sides, not from an injury of my Achilles tendons are constantly sore, that many, many times, not always, could be many other things, but many, many times that necessitates that I look into testosterone. Wow. I, I'm amazed. I love learning new things on every podcast and that is a new thing. I'm now going to be going around to all my male friends. How are your Achilles tendons feeling? (laughs) Let's have a feel. (laughs) After this podcast, they may not answer that so quickly because that could tell you a little too much, Rebecca. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Oh, dear. That's really funny. Yeah, that's really interesting that that it can actually um, display in a completely different part of the body, different part of the body. And that's why, you know, uh, that's why I kind of say mind, gut, body connection. There, there are different pieces, you know, and, and adhesions anywhere or things not moving at any part of the body will impact upstream and downstream. So for a male, this is incredibly important because we tend to hunch forward in our work, to really move forward. And this really impacts the pelvis and crunches the guts. Doesn't allow us to breathe, which causes anxiety, which causes, you know, dysfunction in that area. And then our guts get compressed. So this is actually almost an epidemic now from just the way culture is going, that we're almost leaning into body dysfunction, which then equals gut dysfunction, which then equals brain or mind dysfunction. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey guys, I hope you've been enjoying today's episode. Wanted to let you know that it has been brought to you by the SIBO cookbooks. I'm so excited to have this series of cookbooks that are now available to help you on your journey, making cooking for SIBO so much easier and giving you inspiration in the kitchen. Just because we're eating for a special diet doesn't mean it needs to be restricted. The good news is the cookbooks are now available both in Australia and North America. 
So if you've been wanting to get your hands on an edition that uses Fahrenheit and pounds and ounces and that you're seeing recipes and ingredients using words that you recognize and love, then make sure you head to breathtests.com to grab your copy of the North American edition of the SIBO cookbooks. They are dispatched for American and Canadian customers locally, so you only need to pay postage from a local level. And for those of you in Australia or the rest of the world, make sure you head to thehealthygut.co where you can grab your copy of the Australian cookbook. Now let's get back to the show. Let's talk about the beer belly Um, (laughs) because, you know, there's a lot of men in this world that have a quite significant beer belly. Is that having an impact on their testosterone? Is that a sign of testosterone issues? Absolutely. Uh, At least least to look at it. It could be a couple different things. But the primary thing you would want to look at is if, if a male is developing a beer gut, and it truly, the reason it's said that way is because beer contains hops. Most beer contains hops. And hops is an aromatizing, which means it's, that is actually the enzyme that cleaves estrogen and changes it to testosterone. Or actually, I'm sorry, it's the opposite. Cleaves testosterone and changes it to estrogen. So we say it's aromatized. So testosterone is changed to estrogen. Estrogen builds fat around the middle. This is actually why, you know, pregnancy, you know, progesterone, estrogen, all these things, the female hormones really tend to help place, you know, fat around the middle, nourish the middle for pregnancy. I mean, this is, this is the natural course of life. This is why a beer gut is not necessarily natural in a male because he does not have to carry a baby in the midsection, even though it might look that way at some points. Uh, so yes, this this aromatizing effect from beer is why we got the name beer gut. And that shows that any testosterone, which could be limited in the male, is actually being changed to the female hormones without anything happening. The other thing about a, a, a beer gut is that means it's visceral fat. So this becomes omental fat. This becomes one of the largest quote unquote organs of inflammation. That, that, area is producing more inflammatory things for the body than anywhere else. So it becomes a very serious thing as we age, you know, to have this if we have inflammatory or gut dysfunction. What can somebody do to um, help reduce their mm-hmm. beer gut? Yeah. So I would never just approach it from let's remove this, but that is always an answer of remove the offending things that are causing it. Um, there's also, you know, lifestyle changes that can happen, supplemental changes that can happen, all the above. Um, you know, really a comprehensive look at it. You know, obviously nutritional changes, exercise changes, taking a, taking a supplement that actually prohibits it from being aromatized could help as well. Mm, interesting. You talked a bit about adhesions. Mm-hmm. Are there particular operations that you see more commonly in men that can um, result in abdominal adhesions? That's a really good question. I'm going to have to think <laughs> on a second for that, Rebecca. Because I know a common one well, um, pe- would be appendicitis. Appendicitis, of yeah. course. And that that's not exclusive to males. But yes, appendicitis. And again, this uh, 
guys normally take longer to say, oh, I really feel awful. You know, I I now have 104 fever. I need to go to the hospital. You know, now the appendix needs to be removed. Obviously, any any surgery to the abdominal area for whatever reason uh, can result in adhesions that can affect the guts and, and, you know, not allow things to move through. Guys um, can be more prone to playing contact sport. It's not exclusive mm-hmm. to men. Mm-hmm. Um, what about uh, having bumps and knocks and, you know, windings and corks, as we call them in Australia. I don't know if you call them that in the, here in the States, uh, corkies. Um, but, you know, it, it, uh, getting really big bruises, particularly to the ad- abdominal area, can that be a, a risk factor for the for guys um, developing adhesions? Absolutely. Anything that causes trauma. So when our body is impacted or injured, it sends a lot of uh, the immune system to that area. This is a normal process. And to rebuild it, it's a different form of collagen than what it was original. So that at times, depending on the depth and level of injury, can cause an adhesions. You also mentioned something really profound, all these bumps to the head, concussions, all this. Traumatic brain injury is actually the term that we use for that which could resolve in concussion or could be very mild, this actually can impact brain-gut function via the vagus nerve. Anything that kind of causes brain injury can actually leave lasting impacts. So many times when we look at a whole person's kind of story, there's many times that, hey, the only thing that happened was, oh, I hit my head when I was skiing or I hit my head when, you know, I was playing football and I had this concussion. And from then on, my gut was not right. That actually is a key symptom in the sense of having to turn the course on that and showing that motility in the gut is just not moving things through correctly. And there's a lot we can do for that. And I think that happens all too often. And I look back at my youth when I would go along and watch boyfriends of the time play football and you know it was almost a kind of you know badge of honor you know how many bruises could you get how rough had you played your game of football Australian rules football is pretty intense it's pretty physical um they've definitely calmed down on concussions now because they can now see the long-term impact of of multiple concussions on our um top athletes but that filters through to just local level sport sport games as well um and you know and you guys have your own you know pretty intensive (laughs) football as well which is looks like it's pretty high contact sport yeah and there's the rise of you know more boxing mma all of these activities which aren't they're they're wonderful in themselves there's their sport they're they're uh, great ways to let out that competitive spirit to really work and raise testosterone levels, you know, and from the physiological sense, but from the brain health sense, any injury to the brain that causes this kind of trauma can impact things going forward. And sometimes if this is going to be, uh, you know, someone's decision to do many things like this, they're going to have to take certain steps to prevent, you know, a gut shutdown in the future. It's almost inevitable if several series of brain injuries happen that this is going to develop. So there's things that 
we should do preventatively uh, to aid that from not going that cycle and not becoming something in the future that's almost untreatable or very, very difficult. Um, so that's kind of the message that we're, we're really trying to get out is, you know, come up with an individualized plan for you that you can accept right now, even if that's one minute a day or one change, you know, to, to truly gr- grant yourself just that little bit more margin uh, to possibly offset a lot of this that's going on. You know, we're, we're a walking risk factor for so many things. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of education out there that can at least start to take away some of those risk factors and also having a life of balance. You know, that's the thing. We can get so obsessed about all of this, like, oh my goodness, I had three concussions. Oh, wow, I have diarrhea. Oh, I can kill a small child with my farts. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's these horrendous things going on. It could mean that it's just physiologically normal, but it is worth the time to check it out. It's worth the time to figure out how you can optimize things for yourself. So to anyone listening to the podcast who's thinking, wow, I really tick a lot of those things, or to a partner that's listening and thinking of their own partner, or it's a mother listening for her son or father for their son or father for themselves, um, what should they do first? What's your advice on, you know, what's the first step that they should take in this um, return or investigation into what's going on and, and, and ideally first step to return to optimal health? So as best they can, they need to find a practitioner that they can trust you know, and that they can really speak, speak to and tell the whole story. You know, someone that has an objective view just to say, hey, here's something we need to look at, or no, that's, that's probably fine right now. Or to just speak some level of these risk factors are pretty high. Maybe we should do this, 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 and this. And really it's up to them what they, they actually put in, in place. And that would probably be my suggestion of a first step to just really look into things. Dr. Google, you know, we we like to Google a lot of things or look a lot of things up. He knows a lot, but he's not quite very smart in the sense of really picking out what specifically for for this particular picture needs to be looked at. So that's why I would recommend someone that they could really tell the whole story to and someone that's really looking at all those factors for the life and and see what could be done. I think a, a hurdle for many people, many guys, is that they don't even have a practitioner. Right. I know many of my friends haven't been to the doctor in years because they're lucky enough to, well, they feel that they don't get sick. Right. They don't get the, you know, the things that require antibiotics right. um, or surgery so they don't go to the doctor. Um, they kind of tough it out and, you know, if they do get a common cold, they just mm-hmm. tough it out and take paracetamol or something like that. What kind of practitioner should they be looking for if they're thinking, I don't even have a doc I can go and see? Like I've got nobody in my little kit bag. Mm-hmm. Where should they start? Well, obviously I'm partial to naturopaths. Our our training kind of encompasses, uh, you know, conventional and alternative medicine in the sense that we may look at just a couple more pieces of the puzzle and not necessarily always disease. You know, you're saying this person's really well, you know, they, they fight through colds okay. They really have nothing that requires them to necessarily go to the doctor. Amazing. How can we make it better? See, that's, that's the difference of perspective is how do we optimize 
their athletic performance. You know, maybe they want to be that next level athlete. Maybe they're running 10 miles. They want to run 20. How do they get there? That is actually what really excites me is saying, what for this individual person or male do they want to accomplish in their health? How do they define health? And how do we work towards that and using pieces to get there? So obviously, um, a naturopath, uh, you know, depending on what they're dealing with, possibly even a counselor at that that level or psychologist, um, a nutritionist, if that's where they feel they really have some dysfunction, um, it really is person dependent. Uh, it's it's kind of difficult. It is a little bit of a process to really find um, what, who can really help them. This is why I love the ability to really just have a podcast like this in the sense of speaking to a couple of these things that might just tick off a couple things in everyone's mind to be like, ah, that, um, which wouldn't happen otherwise. Uh, I say that because I, I, I can't tell you, I think in the last month, at least a dozen of my young male patients have said to me, I wish I knew about this five years ago. I would have saved thousands of dollars, a lot of time, and really felt so much better and been able to accomplish so much more in my life if I had known these really simple things. I mean, really simple things like changing what type of alcohol I'm drinking or avoiding this or taking this B complex or whatever that might be um, earlier. So, And I think as well, asking people in your circle if they know anybody, you don't need to do this alone. And if you're going through something like this, I dare say somebody else that you know is, um, there's plenty of um online forums there's some you know really big Facebook groups particularly for SIBO and uh, that's always a a good place to start and to go and ask for help contacting me or contacting you is also a good place to start we might not be able to help you directly but we might definitely be able to point you in the right direction Um, you know you don't have to do it on your own and and you know I think that's really the, the key message and something I'd like to share just in terms of you know I think what a man can see that you know can, which is what which was very unexpected for my partner as he was going through his SIBO treatment. Things that he would never have experienced thought were um, related as he as he went into the SIBO diet and he started treating his SIBO. His snoring virtually stopped. Now this was a great thing for me <laughs> and a great thing for him. I was getting a better sleep. He was getting a better sleep. He was waking up more refreshed. And, and literally springing out of bed in the morning going, yeah. I'm so full of energy. Um, yeah. And, you know, if he could experience that change after many, many years of having digestive problems, then I think, you know, if only he'd been able to experience that earlier and when he was younger, he would have had so much more energy for all of these years. So it's definitely worth trying. What do you think us women can do to help the men in our lives? Because, um, you know, us women are prone to what men might call nagging and we're, we can be prone to trying to control things and organise things. That can be very much part of our nature and sometimes we can get a little bit in the way. <laughs> What's your advice to the ladies listening to the podcast today? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, remember, I'll, I'm sitting yes, right here, I'll, Jason. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be quite uh, careful and judicious. I think all the men at this point are squirming in their seats as I am. Um, but quite simply, literally be on the side of encouragement and education rather than 
you know, oppression and control and nagging. It's just in the sense of, hey, have you looked at this? Maybe you want to listen to this at some point. And not only saying it, but also making room for it in the sense that, you know, you know, it could be a partner. It doesn't have to be a wife or a girlfriend. It could be anyone could really make room for someone to explore something in their own way. And any way where someone can empower someone else without controlling the outcome, uh, that's truly helping in the sense of just providing information in a non-judgmental way and also knowing with mercy that this is part of their process and that process may take time. It could take years. And, and the hope is, regardless of when you catch this, there is hope and there is help. Um, it's better if you get it earlier. It may be simpler, but that might not be part of your process. So my encouragement is for the younger and older that might have gone through years of this in the sense of we do have some hope. We do have some answers that will help regardless of where you are in the stage of this. And I think I think approaching this with utmost humility to say that, hey, no one has all the answers and um, everyone has the their own journey and kind of having that level of compassion rather than I told you so or nagging. It's more, I know you're suffering. I wish I can help. Why don't you tell me how I can help you? You know, asking sometimes is the best way. And maybe you'll be answered with silence the first five times and truly tolerating and accepting that is part of this process that may gain the trust and respect that you need that that person might actually listen later on. So I hope that that, I hope that very difficult question that could have gotten me in a lot of trouble, I answered at least okay. <laughs> it was wonderful. I'll share with my listeners just what I've done with my own experience. Um, you know, I've got two very important men in my life, my dad and then my partner. And my dad has leukemia and mm. he has extreme food intolerances to onion and garlic. Mm. Um, he has a very standard... American slash Australian diet, you know, white bread sandwiches for lunch. And, and he says, you know, I, I have always eaten like this, so why should I change it? And I say to him, Dad, if we could address your gut health, um, we'd probably find that your cancer would be in a better state. He just will not listen. And I find it very frustrating. So I've had to come to the realisation I just have to stand back and make room for him to come to that and he may never come there. And that is his choice. It's his life. My partner, um, you know, I was probably in the nagging zone in the early days because when I first discovered SIBO, I wanted everybody to know about SIBO. I felt like I'd found the Holy Grail because I finally had an answer as to what had been happening. And then I looked around and I realized that so many people had the same issues and they were doing nothing about it. And I've started to feel so good. I wanted everybody else to feel good. But my partner needed to go on his journey. It took him two and a half years to get there. And it was because his symptoms got so bad that he couldn't ignore them anymore. Now, I'm a Taipei personality. I am, you know, a bit of a control freak. I'm the organizer. I'm always the one that's organizing everything, all the social engagements with friends and holidays and everything. So my natural state is to organize. And I recognize that that could be highly problematic for my partner because he needed to go on this journey himself. And whilst he was living with, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> Miss Sebo cookbooks, um, I couldn't, I couldn't kind of bombard him with that knowledge. So my tactic, as you know, challenging as it was for me, and I really had to work on this. I've got to be honest. Was I said to him, "How can I help you? What do you need from me to make this journey as easy as possible? What will make it smooth sailing for you?" And he said, "I'm so busy at work." Mm-hmm. I don't have the capacity to think about what I'm eating. Can you organize all my meals for me? And I was like, yeah, I can totally organize all your meals for you. That's what I want to do. Um, and so it worked really well for the two of us, in, in especially in those early days as he was getting his head around it. I would cook. Um, he would cook, but I would organize the weekly meal plan. I organized everything, breakfast, lunch, dinner. He was really – he wanted to have some snacks even though we'd talked about ideal scenario of getting to a space where you weren't eating regularly but he felt he needed to get there um and you know and so I felt happy that he was eating the right food that was right for his treatment he felt that he was able to do it because he didn't have to think about it and then as we progressed through he was then starting to come up with ideas and saying what if we did this and what if we did that and uh, you know, I'd really like to experiment with this food and I just had to step back. And when he retested and had completely cleared his methane, which was incredible because his methane was really high, he still had hydrogen present and the naturopath said, now I'm very happy for you to start reintroducing some foods and I knew she meant that to be try some extra rice, try a <laughs> potato. He read that as drink beer and <laughs> so yeah, drink beer and eat pizza. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I came home the first time and saw a carton of beer and a box of pizza and I was in my head I was thinking, what are you doing? This is not what you're supposed to do. But I just had to say, how did that make you feel? And he was like, yeah, not great. I said, well, that's interesting, isn't it? You know, inside I just had to have the conversation with myself. So I think to the ladies listening, you know, particularly those of us that have been through SIBO and we then the men in our life are going through it, um, not to be the know-it-all and to let them experience it and just to provide the support and encouragement where we need to can be really powerful. Right. Yeah. And truly knowing um, where on the spectrum someone is in the sense of what level of intervention you need at what time. You know, as I said before, my philosophy at least is don't take anything away until you have to and only do it for a specific purpose. So my goal would always be to reintroduce as much as possible as quickly as possible but really setting out very firm goals, you know, in the sense of this is for a time, this may not be, let's see how this goes. And truly being a straight shooter and honest from the beginning to try to lay all of that out and make it as simple as possible. But I know that you're speaking from the partner or women's side in this. And again, take take your own journey as a piece of this, that there are always bumps and failures and bruises and high valleys and mountaintops that your partner has that as well and needs to go through that. It's part of the process, you know, for them to truly embrace what's going on. And if you force that, it won't be legitimate. You know, it won't be their choice. They're not empowered. They truly have to, in their very self, decide how to do this and why to do this and how long to do this and with who they're going to do this. 
that's the only way this can truly last and truly change. And when you when you deeply love somebody, like you deeply love a father or a partner, yeah. you want it to be as easy and yeah. as smooth sailing for them as possible. You want to take away all of the bumps and trials and tribulations that you've gone through. But like you say, that is part of the process. Yeah. And I now truly believe that you can't have the lightness without the dark. Correct. And you can't have the highs without the lows. And sometimes going and drinking a carton of beer and eating a pizza is a good thing yes. because you realise how crap that makes you feel. Exactly. And you realise, you know, I don't actually want to go back to that just yet. Right. And one day you'll be able to eat pizza without problems, hopefully. Maybe right. you won't, but hopefully right. you can. But yeah. you need to learn that. And may I throw in that the stress and guilt actually compounds the reaction. So sometimes, you know, obviously very early in the journey, pizza is probably one of the problematic things. This is going to cause symptoms. That's, that's on its own. Adding the stress and guilt that a partner would add from doing that will compound that reaction. So not to make anyone feel bad, because that's part of the process too, but maybe coming to the realization that stress and emotion and what we fling and speak to each other actually is just as harmful as the pizza and the beer, that that may actually empower both sides to approach this from a different angle. Ladies, we need to be careful of those eye-rolling, sighing, huffing, stomping <laughs> our feet moments. <laughs> I've been guilty of them. Oh, my gosh. Um, Dr. Jason Wysocki, it's been wonderful talking to you today about um, all things men's health. If you had a parting message to the men listening to the podcast today, what would it be? Define what health is for you as early as po you, as possible and, and really start working on yourself and giving yourself as much margin, especially in these areas of, you know, gut health, mental health, hormones, body, so that you can be and do all those things and be Superman for however many years you want to do that and, and seek help early and ask for appropriate help early. That does not question your strength. It actually makes you stronger. It grants you more margin, you know, and Truly share what you need with the partners in your life, with the practitioners in your life, with the people in your life earlier. You know, everyone is suffering with something. We just need to kind of communicate about it. So that would be my very, very public service announcement message in the sense of seek help early. Uh, the earlier we, we can treat some of these things, the easier it is, and the more you may be able to accomplish with the less amount of intervention possible. So, but there's hope throughout the time scale too. Yeah, it's a wonderful parting message. We're sitting here in your beautiful practice in Eight Hearts in Portland. If people would like to connect with you, um, how can they do so? Absolutely. So the easiest way is to look on eighthearts.org. That is our website and call into the office and make an appointment. I see patients in person at Eight Hearts as well as many of fantastic practitioners that are here, which you can find on the website. And I also do distance consultations. Um, at a distance, uh, we can just be educational 
Uh, but in Portland, we are physicians, so we do have a prescription pad. And if we see people in person, we can run labs and do those sorts of things. But I'm also very happy to provide you know, an educational consult role from a distance uh, if traveling to Portland is never in the future or at the time. So there's many ways that we can help. And also as a resource, you know, see our website, see the different practitioners, also the Healthy Got website, and see possibly where else they could find someone to really start their journey. Um, but yeah, however we can help, please let us know. Thank you so much for coming on to the Healthy Gut podcast today. It's been just a joy to have you once again. Thanks, Rebecca. It's always a joy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Jason Wysocki. I know I just really enjoyed uh, chatting with him when I was in Portland recently. If you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or access any of the links, make sure you head to thehealthygut.co forward slash men. Nice and simple today. And don't forget to leave a rating and review in iTunes or the app you use to listen to the show. It really does help people know that this is the right show for them, particularly those people that have SIBO. And I also love seeing your feedback. You know, it really makes my day when I see a rating or review left by one of my gorgeous listeners. So um, it really would be a great help for me and also future listeners of the Healthy Gut Podcast. And if you know a man in your life who's got digestive problems and could benefit from listening to this episode and could benefit from that little reminder that, you know, sometimes it's good to take action today rather than leaving it to tomorrow when it can be so much worse and take so much longer to recover from. Make sure you share this episode with them. I know I've got a few guys in my life that can really benefit from today's episode. And come say hi to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest and Google+. We're there under The Healthy Gut and we love seeing you on all of our platforms. And if you're looking for some extra help with your recipes and just some food inspiration, the great news is that my cookbooks are now available in both the Australian edition and the US edition, which is really great that all of my North American customers no longer need to convert the recipes into language that you understand. I have done it for you. So the North American editions of the books now are in US English. They use US measurements and temperatures. So it's in Fahrenheit and we're using pounds and ounces. And I'm also making sure that I'm using the right ingredient names that you know them by in North America rather than using the Australian names. You can pick up a book from Quintron. They are distributing the books on my behalf. They're based in the US. So it means that postage is so much cheaper than when it was coming from Australia. So head to breathtests.com. And you can order your book directly through the Quintron website. And that's for anybody based in the US or Canada. 
So everybody else around the rest of the world and Australia, you can order the books through my website, thehealthygut.co, and you can order the Australian edition. The good news is that we are currently working on converting them to a UK edition. So all of my UK-based friends and uh, listeners, you will shortly be able to get your hands on the electronic version of the UK edition with the printed copy coming in the near future. So I can't wait to bring that to you guys. Coming up on next week's show, we're joined by Nicole Robbins from Sprout Organic Market. Nicole and I did a wonderful live podcast recording when I visited Vancouver, BC in Canada. And we had a gorgeous uh, group of people that came along and uh, watched us talk all things organic. And in particular, we talk about finding seasonal produce, how to shop locally so that you're supporting your local farmers and what products you should be really thinking about that you're either eating or putting on your body uh, that can be having an impact with the toxic load. So make sure you tune in next week to my interview with Nicole Robbins. You've been listening to the Healthy Gut Podcast with your host, Rebecca Coombs. To learn more about the Healthy Gut or our podcast, head to thehealthygut.co forward slash podcast. And as we are fully funding this podcast, if you would like to help support the continuation of this podcast so that we can continue to bring you future episodes, all you need to do is make a contribution at thehealthygut.co forward slash podcast. We would like to thank Belinda Coombs for the production, editing and original music score of this podcast. To hear more of Belinda's music, head to soundcloud.com forward slash Belinda Coombs. The Healthy Gut Podcast is a production of The Healthy Gut. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.